I know the leagues. I know the teams. I know these players. I know this wonderful game called football. It's time for a value bet. Oh, this is when the cream rises to the top. This is when things get on. The largest sports wagering angles you need to know. Stats, records, rankings, weather. If the goalpost is tilted just a little bit. Value bet on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. You can bet your children's unborn children's children on these six games. Value bet. This is America's premier sports information program. Here's Jonathan Hood. What's up, everybody, and welcome into the special value bet. I'm Jonathan Hood, part of the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Use the promo code WMVP during the NBA playoffs and all the other sports you're interested in for the weekend. Check out DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Don't forget to use the promo code WMVP for DraftKings. A lot going on with the UFC, with McGregor Poirier, as well as the NBA playoffs with the Suns and the Bucks. As we record this on Friday morning, the Suns are up two games to nothing. So how should we bet on Game 3 and the rest of the series moving forward? Is Are the Bucks washed? Are they done? Can it come back in the series? I'm going to call my guy from FTN Bets. Gilles Gallant. Also, maybe maybe give us a little baseball as well as we look for the best value in bets. Value bet right here with me, Jonathan Hood. Let me call Gilles from across the border and find out what he thinks of the NBA and the Suns and the Bucks and everything else. Let me see. And there he is, our friend of the program, Gilles Gallant, joining us here uh, on the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast. And uh, as always, we appreciate it, Jill. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's been a little bit of a change uh, moving over to FTN Bets, but uh, it's been an exciting time, and uh, I'm excited to chat with you. Absolutely. Well, let me get your initial thoughts of where we are as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned. Here we are with the Suns up two games to none. Before we begin into what we can expect in Game 3, uh, from a, a betting standpoint, is this aligns, does this align with what you thought would happen? Uh, it, it is, because again, you, we've seen already that, I mean, obviously in the series against Atlanta, the Bucks, uh, you know, were able to win a couple of road games here, but the Suns have just been so dominant at home throughout this postseason that uh, they were very short lines as well. Uh, you know, you had minus five and a half, maybe even minus four and a half once Giannis got uh, uh, announced that he was in for game one, and then it closed again at minus five for game two, and the Suns, I mean, once they kind of took over, they never really looked like there was a doubt that they were going to cover that cover that number. Um, you know, and then also just even the first halves, uh, you even see, um, you know, where the Bucks they were actually a really good first half team, uh, especially in this postseason. Um, but they were kind of like even in game two, we saw the Suns, you know, they were trailing, you know, upwards of like nine points at one point uh, in the second quarter and then they came out of a timeout and Chris Paul just turned it on and before you know it they are leading by 10 uh, you know and, and eventually by 8 uh, going into the halftime uh, Suns 3 point shooting uh, really has been incredible uh, it's kind of a 
an anomaly. I mean, one of the things that they were announcing like through the first quarter, um, you know, they had put up 20, uh, 26 points. Uh, all eight of those, uh, or pardon me, 24 of those points were all done by three pointers. Like it was just incredible. The shooting display that they had, um, so right now, I think that is going the way that we are seeing it, like the way that we have predicted it. I think uh, right now the odds have shifted now for Game Three, where the Bucks are minus four, so winning uh, expected uh, projected at least uh, to win by four points or more with the total at two twenty two. I really felt bad for uh, under betters last night uh, for Game Two because uh, you know it, they were it, the, the line closed around two twenty one and a half, depending on the sports book you were using. And you know once you get into the final minute and you get into those foul games and Bud foul down eight with 24 seconds to go under betters just sitting there like screaming at their tv uh so yeah my <laughs> condolences to them but uh, i think that a lot of what we've seen so far through two games is kind of what sports books and most analysts have predicted okay so i i'm obviously i've been very impatient with the bucks not just in this series jill but just throughout the playoffs i i guess i was not patient enough to look at the trends on how the bucks do in the first quarter or in the first half or second half because i've been a lot on the money line with the bucks and that has not fared for me very well because of, <laughs> so i've had a hard time so i said i should stick what i know i'll just keep betting the aces in the sky and the wnba and just catch up that way apparently um but i, I want to get your thoughts on game three and and where is the money going as far as game three? Well, right now, most of the handle is is being placed on the bucks and a little bit on the over as well. Uh, it's not as uh, alarming, uh, for example, on the over. It's probably like 56, 44 percent, like as far as splits go. But right now we're looking at over 60 percent right now of money and handle and tickets all on the bucks. Uh, now, I will say it's a little bit 50 50 uh, when it comes to uh, handle and total uh, from a money line standpoint, because just like the bucks, everybody likes to bet a good underdog money line bet. And the Suns have been fairly good in row games as well this year. Um, um, but I mean, the one thing that we're seeing right now, even from the Suns, even the home and away splits, like for example, in the playoffs, the Suns have a plus nine point differential in home games, but that drops to 4.1 uh, in road games. Uh, you know, for example, they're hitting 46% of their field goals in road games, but it's seven less points per game uh, on the road. So you are seeing a, a, a noticeable difference on how the Suns perform on the road. Uh I mean, gun to my head, I would probably take the Bucks minus three first half spread based on how just just how different Milwaukee has looked at home and away. Um, so, really, the reason why I'm hoping that is that I'm hoping the Bucks blow them out so we actually have a series. Right. Um, but then also, I can get a better price on Suns money line in Game Four. <laughs> no, yo, no, that makes completely sense. I complete sense. I totally understand that. I just I, I want to know um, with certain players. There's 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 times where I look at certain players and say, you know, I'll take um, the the Point scored, or I'll look at rebounds. Anything in granular detail in that regard, as far as points for either the Suns or the Bucks. Yeah, so I'm gonna uh, share some of what I've been doing here because one of the things about player props for me, especially in the finals, is um, in the general public we love to bet on you know the big guys. We like to bet on Giannis points, rebounds, assist totals. Like we like to bet on point totals for or assist totals for you know Chris Paul. Um, and the one thing that's really been interesting uh, with the Bucks and Suns is their secondary players, and it comes to three-point shooting. So the guys that I've been looking at is three-point made props. So, or And usually the, the two guys that I've been looking at, I, I hit them both in both Game 1 and Game 2, which is Cam Johnson for the Suns and Pat Connaughton for the Bucks. Now, Pat Connaughton, like, he shouldn't be getting more than 25 minutes in any finals game, but because the Bucks bench is so depleted and they don't really have any depth, like, he's basically the main guy off the bench, him and Bobby Portis. 
and I wrote about this at FTM bets that all they do is shoot threes. Like you look at Cam Johnson's uh, shooting percentages. Uh, he's hit two or more threes in almost nearly every home game that he was playing. Uh, 68% of his shots are from behind the arc. And then when you look at Connaughton, it's even more. So he has taken now, Pat Connaughton has taken 95 shots in the playoffs, John. Mm-hmm. And 78% of those are from behind the arc. 74 <laughs> shots total from behind the arc from three. And he's sitting around 38%. And the lines are usually at plus one or at over one and a half. Over under one and a half is usually the line for both either Connaughton or Cam Johnson. But the best part about it is, is the sports books are offering the overs on those at plus money. So last night I hit plus 140 at Pat Connaughton over one and a half threes. He hit four last night and he hit two in game one. Cam Johnson, same thing. He was plus 140 in game one. Sportsbook saw it a little bit at the one and a half. They brought it down to about plus 110. He hits that as well. So again, that's kind of one of the things that I've been trying to do from a prop standpoint is maybe looking a little deeper and more the secondary players because the the higher end players, you know, the, like a Giannis or a Chris Paul, uh, those lines they get the most action, so they often they often are the most sharp lines. So a lot of the time, that just the value is kind of gone. Whereas you look at these two players, they have the opportunity. That's all they really do, and the sports books aren't really adjusting those odds well enough yet, where you could still get some plus money value on them. See, the Bucks, Jill, have been uh, parlay busters for me, and here's the ebb and flow of the Bucks. The way I look at it, and, and in its simplest form. What we've seen so far is that if it's either Giannis goes off and has a terrific game and the other struggle, or the or the complementary players actually play well and Giannis struggles. Like I, I can't put like Middleton and Giannis and say Holiday together in a parlay as far as points and for me to be able to win that ticket because a perfect example is last night. Giannis had a terrific game, but where was Middleton and Holiday, the others to be able to pick up the slack? It's usually one or the other that I've seen at times with the Bucks here in the playoffs. And that's been one of the biggest critiques too, Jonathan, about the Bucks is that um – you know, some people would argue. I mean, you see some talking heads out there right now where they're arguing whether or not the Bucks are actually better without Giannis uh, on the floor because of how the performance of Game Five and Game Six of how Middleton and Holiday played against the Hawks and just how much more effective they were. Um, and I agree with you; it's very frustrating, and that's one of the reasons why the Bucks. It's very hard to find an angle where you either feel good about it or you're getting good enough value on it to want to bet on it because nobody wants to bet on a prop where you got to bet like you know three hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars or anything along those lines um i think we're going to see a little bit of a change here in game three and i think you're going to see a better performance from drew holiday like i couldn't believe that like you know just his finish around the rim of how bad he looked like obviously defensively he has to be out there because he needs to be able to slow down chris paul or devin booker whoever is handling the ball on the perimeter but offensively he's just been such a I don't want to call him a zero, but just definitely just below average for what you expect in an NBA Finals game. Mm-hmm. So for myself, a lot of the time, I think when it comes to game three, I think you can bet on a nice bounce back performance from Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton just playing at home. But again, I've said that before, and then they put up a dud, and then Giannis goes off, but they still win by 20. So I feel your pain on that. I think that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I've been deviating more to the three-point made props because both of these teams are averaging – close to 33 point shots uh per game and and there's just and they're actually hitting them fairly well especially the suns uh so that's kind of why i've been kind of deviating to those kinds of props instead of trying to bank on the stars and hoping that they all show up or who is going to show up 
I think it's an interesting number for the Bucks, as you mentioned, uh, in this matchup for game number three. I wonder how much of the whistles will play a factor. There might be some momentum from game two to game three as far as the foul line because uh, Giannis was able to really get his points from that. I'm thinking that in a you know a crazed Deer District and the Five Star Forum in Milwaukee, I'm thinking that it, it, the whistles will go the the Bucks way because as I look at the series, Jill, it's like the Suns are a team that's very fast uh, up and down the floor. The crazy passes, as we saw in the second half, they mm-hmm. they they really really can get up and down the floor. But I think the the Bucks pace can work at home in Game Three would give them the advantage. I think that that's where I'm going there. I I do agree with that point. I think the big thing that drives me crazy about the Bucks is that their free throw shooting has been awful yeah. for like the entire postseason. Like they're, they're I think they're seventy percent right now as a team. And if you just use all sixteen playoff teams, that's uh, I want to say that's 15th of all 16 playoff teams, just looking at the stats. And then you look at game one and game two, you know, they hit, they didn't get a good whistle, but they still only hit 56% of their free throws in game one. Bud complains about the foul call discrepancy. You know, they get way more free throws and then they shoot 65% in game two. And, you know, that could have been the difference in whether or not how close this game was going to be. So that's one of the reasons why uh, I do think that the free throw discrepancy, you will see a shift in that, and maybe they will be a little bit uh, better from a uh, percentage standpoint. But as simple as it comes down to it, these two games really have come down to free throw shooting. I know people want to look at, you know, the three-point shooting or look at just, you know, the the lack of assertive, assertiveness or effectiveness of Middleton and Holiday, but – these like Giannis, it's one thing when you're missing free throws because again, we all know what his. But for anybody else, I feel like there's no excuse. And and you know, you saw in game one, for example, the Suns they had 26 free throws, they hit 25 of them. Like that's a really big difference there comparatively to what the Bucks are doing. So for myself, I just you know, the Bucks have like no bench. So you're really depending on maybe like a Pat Connaughton or a Bobby Portis or, you know, I mean, God forbid if Bryn Forbes or, or Jeff Teague see the floor. But, <laughs> right. you know, if those two guys are effective, I think we're going to see a, a Bucks landslide style of win in game three. But it, it can't just be Giannis scoring 20 points in a quarter and still like that was the thing he scored 20 points in the third quarter they still trailed by 10 going into the fourth like it's unacceptable that the secondary scoring of holiday and middleton are not coming to play like this and you know we're in the nba finals if you guys want to be considered top end players and you want to be you know chris middleton on team usa you want to get all-star money and whatever else you need to start putting your money up and that's kind of one of the reasons why i said for finals mvp bets i was saying there's no point for me now. Like if you're looking at the championship odds at plus 375, plus 400, depending on where you you, uh, you wager um, for the Bucks to win the championship, I personally think that if you're gonna if you think the Bucks are gonna come back and win this series, just take Giannis at Finals MVP at plus 500 instead because. After what we saw in Game Two, there is no media member that votes for this in their right mind that would give that MVP trophy to Middleton or Holiday after what we've seen and, and him gutting it out in Game One, putting up what I would consider Giannis's probably best game he's ever played as an NBA player in Game Two. He was phenomenal last night. So 
at this point, if you think the Bucks are going to come back and win, the better value is just to take him at finals MVP odds at plus 500 than taking the championship odds at plus 375 or plus 400. On the other side of the tracks with the Suns, there's only two candidates, right? It's it's Paul and Booker. The the Booker, I'm sure, kind of tugs at the heartstrings of the media. He's got the, the th- you know, the kind of inscription on his shoe, things that he was told, you know, Kobe told him and, and things like that. So I'm thinking it's either Paul or Booker. And is there a greater value from one or the other if either one of those two win i don't think so jonathan i think honestly it's chris paul's to lose uh mm-hmm. like he opened at uh, plus 160 before the series started um now his odds have shifted down to minus 150 as the odds on favor to win finals mvp so the reason why i think they're still at minus 150 whereas most of the handle and the money and, and even sports books are predicting that the suns will win it is because I think they're book, they're predicting that the Bucks are going to handily win Game Three, and you'll see more odds movement and more handle coming in on Giannis to win Finals MVP after that. So then you might get a little bit of better value on Chris Paul. But I think just like what we saw in Game One when he put up an epic performance, uh, Chris Paul, and then moved from plus one sixty to minus one fifty, even in Game Two, even though Devin Booker put up and hit seven three pointers, Chris Paul was still just as effective. Uh, you know, still had, you know, over 20 points, still had almost 10 assists, you know, was still orchestrating the offense. Like when the Bucks were tra- or leading by nine points there in the second quarter, Chris Paul just came in and immediately was able to get the guys in the right spot. And I think a lot of the time when we look at the MVP award, we have to, just like you were saying with Booker, it's more about narrative than it is stats. And a lot of the time when people are voting for this, you know, you're going to look, this is almost going to be like a legacy award. Sometimes you see this in the Oscars. Like, do you know what I mean? Like yeah. where a guy will win like best actor, even though he might not have had the best performance, but it's like, it's more of a legacy award kind of thing. I think this is what's going to happen with Chris Paul, especially if um, he's still putting up 20 and, you know, almost eight, 10 assists, you know, per game, because a lot of what you're going to, the media members that I feel that what they're going to say is they'll look at Booker and Aiton's performance, but they'll attribute those stats to Chris Paul's presence and influence. And, you know, it's just been written about and talked about so much that I really can't see how Chris Paul wouldn't win the award, you know, at this point, if the Suns win the series. Jill, can I sneak in a little baseball with you? Yeah, absolutely. Throw me, throw me, uh, throw me a line drive from the field. What do we got? All right, so let me start off with the Northsiders of the Cubs. It has been... Uh, a tough season for the Cubs, especially as of late, is they went through a skid. Uh, they're going to break up the team here by the time we get to the deadline. The best by the, the time we finish this interview, yeah, but <laughs> exactly. Jed Hoyer already re- was ready to break up the team. Um, it was a great bet. I mean, the way the Cubs were struggling. Uh, I was in Milwaukee to see the Cubs up seven nothing in the top of the first, and then lose the game fifteen to eight or wherever it was. It was a crazy game a couple weeks ago. So uh, Cubs Cardinals is always a big rivalry. Anything that that resonates with you with the Cubs and Cardinals this weekend? I mean, at this point, it's really difficult to bet on the Cubs. Uh, really, in any scenario that is uh, not at Wrigley Field. Like, if they're playing at home, then obviously you have a little bit more of an edge. But, I mean, we're already seeing this year just the home and away splits um, for the Cubs is just night and day. Like, it's just they don't hit well on the road. You know, you're even explaining just now, like, what happened in that Brewers game. Like, I would even argue, like, are they the fourth best team in their own division? Like, at this point, like, I mean, the Reds are, like, I mean, you can maybe make an argument between the Cubs and the Reds. I still think the Cardinals are better than the Cubs, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. then, of course, the Brewers are in their own class in the Central. Mm-hmm. So I rarely bet them at this point, the Cubs, uh, especially, like, just with the way that their starting rotation is. I think they'll miss the playoffs. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly, with that, with that series and even just the Cubs in general, I, I try to steer clear of them, especially if they're playing on the road. The White Sox are taking on the Orioles. That's a team. And again, the White Sox trend has been a mash unit. Everyone's hurt, but yet they find a way to win. In a bad American League Central, they'll take on a bad Orioles team here this weekend. Uh, and again, starting pitching has really been the soup of the day for the White Sox here this season. Anything that stands out about the White Sox? Uh, I mean, the only thing that I would say right now, I mean, obviously they're, they're, they're deadly at home, uh, 31 and 14 this year, which is the, uh, the best record in the American league for a home team. Um, you know, like you said, they, they have the complete set of starting pitching. Like the fact that right now, if you look at AL Cy Young odds, for example, uh, that Lynn and Rodon are behind Garrett Cole and not Lucas Shalito is probably one of the bigger surprises that I would have predicted if I was thinking of the way that the season would play out, mm-hmm. especially because Jolito was probably third in the odds behind Cole and Bieber uh, coming into the season. And so with the White Sox, I mean, against the Orioles, I mean, you really, I mean, unless you're getting a decent price on maybe a minus one and a half run line, I mean, the Orioles are terrible again. So it's not really, I'm not really going to try to make a case though mm-hmm. where uh, you could fade the White Sox in that scenario. Uh, but I would say that I do think they actually do offer decent odds to come out of the AL and win the World Series. They're the faves to come out of the AL and represent the American League at plus, what, 800 uh, for World Series odds. Uh, but I think the prop that I'm actually looking at the most for the White Sox, I think you, I think it's a good time to get Lance Lynn at plus 500 for Cy Young, uh, specifically because... I think he's I think he's better than Rodon. I, I mean, you can probably yeah. speak to that a little bit better uh, for myself. I just think from a performance standpoint and and just you know statistically, uh, I just think he's been better than Rodon. I think the the no hitter at the beginning of the season more sways those odds and voters' minds right now, and we still have a whole second half of the season uh, to play. But even like Garrett Cole right now, he is the odds on favor for the Cy Young, and ever since the substance crackdown, uh, his ERA has nearly tripled <laughs> you know he's mm-hmm. probably had like a five era uh in those uh four or five starts since that's happened and if garrett cole which is going to be pitching uh, if not today probably tomorrow if he falters again those odds are going to shift and rodona and lynn are just going to jump right back into it and you're probably going to lose a bit, little bit of value on those two starting pitchers so that's kind of the angle that i've been looking at for the white Sox. i'm probably going to jump in on on lynn uh here uh probably right after this phone call uh and and then probably uh uh, do that because again that's the one thing too is that you know i was very bullish on giolito uh coming into the year and you know you're kind of seeing a little bit of a you know a regression uh i'm not really sure if it's a substance crackdown or if it's just maybe his uh his just mechanics are a little bit off um but you know, that's kind of where I'm leaning right now with the White Sox. Just a footnote to that, that was not the narrative coming into the season. The narrative was is that Giolito was supposed to be the number one and Lynn. And, and the other thing with Dallas Keuchel, he ends up being the fifth starter at this point in time. Lynn yeah, was cease. Uh, like, cease. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, none of that was supposed to happen, Jill. That was supposed to be Giolito's the number one. And now that's Lance Lynn really has been the leader for this uh, starting rotation. Giolito's more like third or fourth. I mean, it's a great problem to have. They're all very talented. But it's just it's interesting how a season develops where a guy that's really, I don't know, maybe he has a year left, maybe he'll resign with the Sox or not, that he ends up being the number one guy. 
Yeah, and, and and Lynn, you know, being a journeyman, you know, going from, you know, he's had a few stops, whether it be St. Louis or Texas or, you know, the fact that he was able to have uh, decent performances pitching in Arlington where it's just a hitter's ballpark, uh, I think that was probably a very encouraging sign when they when they brought him up to, to Chicago. But uh, if you would ask me if Lance Lynn would be the uh, – would be the my uh, betting favorites in my mind of somebody who I was going to bet on for Cy Young going into the All Star break. Uh, I would I wouldn't be surprised if you asked what I was drinking. <laughs> right. Okay. I got one more. This is a gut reaction. I, I you I don't know if you've poured through the numbers yet, but I want to ask you about the home run derby. If you had your druthers, Jill, would you take um, Otani or the field to win the home run derby? Well, I would definitely take the field, uh, the, the just because of it's just the randomness of the home run derby. Like I love Otani. I think he, you know, I think he's not talked about enough in in mainstream media. I, I think my biggest issue right now is just the, first off, the home run derby is almost kind of a little sticky. Like it's not really like. Uh, there's not really like an edge when it comes to that. Like, I mean, I've seen hitters like, you know, Vladdy, you know, Guerrero Jr. Like looked sensational in it last year. And I think he lost in the finals. I think there's the point that I'm getting at with that is that uh, it's the guy that I would probably look at more. I think of this just because I think he's being a little undervalued is Pete Alonso at plus 500, but just because I feel like he's starting to come around now. Like he started off a little bit slow this year. You know, he's, he was good last year for the Mets, but it was such a shortened season. And because he wasn't putting up, you know, eye-popping numbers, you know, you almost kind of forgot about him in the National League. And then, of course, with the Mets, you know, anybody past DeGrom doesn't really get a lot of pub. pub. So um, I think the main thing that I would suggest is I would probably look at Pete Alonso. If you can get a decent plus money odds on the field, I would – you know, take out a second mortgage on that over on over Otani. Mm-hmm. But I think the main thing that I would tell your listeners is I wouldn't put a big money on this type of market just because they do, you know, the brackets, you know what I mean? And like almost like a tournament style instead of like total home runs, you know, for advancing from first to second round. Uh, it's just too difficult to do that. That was part of the reason, like when we go back to like the skills competitions, like for NBA, like those are fun props to bet on, but I wouldn't be putting like big money on those types of things just because you know the guys while they're trying you know it's no skin off their back if, if they lose too i will lean trevor's story i'll put a dollar on trevor's story home kid why not man in colorado at coors field if anybody knows the field the best uh right now he's at plus 800 if you're looking at trevor's story to win the home run derby okay so here's the trend three players have pulled off um the feet of how a uh, you know, a hometown guy wins the home run derby. It was Ryan Sandberg in 1990, Todd Frazier in 2015, and uh, and Bryce Harper in 2018. So maybe he could be the fourth guy that actually plays for the team in which the home run derby is taking place. It, it very well could be. Yeah. I remember that derby with Harper, and he was actually the betting favorite, I believe, that year at like plus 150. So uh, it was still a good bet to make. But even then, like you even saw when Harper won it, it literally came down to the last pitch. Yeah. Like you remember like where his dad's throwing it to him and it was like a walk-off style of win. So again, it's not to say that it can't be done. I just think uh, it, it's difficult to bank on that kind of trend thinking that uh, that's going to be the edge. However, I will say Trevor Story, very good power hitter. Um, you know, if anybody knows Coors Field, it'd be him, and especially because of the fact that it's a very hitter-friendly park uh, with, with the uh, – just. and I think with him uh, – 
you know, it's just more of the odds play, you know, at plus 800 to be able to get a hometown guy like that. But I think until we know what the brackets are and who they're facing off against one another, uh, it's almost difficult to want to wager on that until we know that information. My friend, tell us about FTN Bets, your new home. Yeah, so FTM Bets, uh, what I do there, so I'm the lead writer and sports betting analyst there now. Uh, like I said, uh, or what we were talking about before the phone call is that they really focused on uh, fantasy and fantasy football, but they're really expanding into the betting space now. And, you know, they brought me along. And one of the things that I do at FTM Bets that I've started is I, uh, one of the things that I'm known for uh, on social media is uh, I love betting on underdogs, uh, especially like Major League Baseball, NBA, NCAA basketball. And, uh, and I've done fairly well with that, especially in 2021. So one of the things that I've started over there is now I do a thing called the dog of the day. It's a betting series where I basically give a daily underdog play or a plus money bet um, where we can try to double our money every day. So I'm two and two so far um, uh, this week, uh, up 1.8 units. So it's not bad at all. And then uh, later this summer, for Bets TV, I'm going to be starting a new football betting show uh, that's going to be focusing uh, mainly on the NFL touchdown score market, which is another thing that I'm fairly well known for on Twitter. Uh, and basically kind of trying to give uh, my weekly picks along with my uh, betting advice on how to approach this betting market. And uh, if you want to find out more information about the show and also just even my picks or even follow my Dog of the Day series, uh, you can go to ftmbets.com or you can follow me on Twitter at gdog5000. That's G-D-A-W. G As always, Jill, I appreciate your time here in Chicago. Let's talk again real soon. Sounds good, Jonathan. You enjoy yourself. Ah, Jill Gallant. FTN Bet has got a new gig. Always appreciate his time being on the broadcast. And he's always done a great job with us giving us the insights, especially with the NBA playoffs. And don't forget to continue to download this podcast, the Under the Hood Basketball Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook. Don't forget, uh, WMVP is your promo code for the UFC, for the NBA playoffs, for Major League Baseball, or anything else. DraftKings at Casino Queen Sportsbook is where you go. All right, let's do it again real soon. Let's take a look at Game 3, see what happens between the Bucks and the Suns. And don't forget, you can find, find this particular podcast on Spotify. You can find it also on SoundCloud and, of course, the ESPN Chicago app.